0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Alan Trites, and welcome to the podcast. Great Health does not have to be a mission impossible. I'm here with my good friend Danny, the short term, uh, the German Shorthair Pointer, and uh, she's going to be listening along with us today. And I'm going to start a series as I've been plugging along on what's called long haulers or long COVID syndrome. And so uh, I'm going to go into what medically that's out there. I'm going to go into the triggers of why some people have it versus somebody. Doesn't whether there's a co-infection or anything that you have going on or uh, other types of symptoms that can come in And then I'm going to go into What the treatments are and well What are you going to do to help support yourself and what if you've had some of these treatments or you've gone through this Or what are you supposed to do to get out of it? So there is a myriad a plethora, a ridiculous amount of information that I've had to read through, um, and and doing this or that, or, or and then, you know, even clinically in the office, what do you do? Uh, I practice functional medicine. Um, I do some functional neurology. I'm not a functional neurologist, but we have to evaluate the nervous system, see how people respond. Do they have enough fuel to the nervous system? Can they perform tasks? And and this is the thing that goes along with, we'll call it, for the for the term moving forward long long haulers or long hauler syndrome. And so a lot of these people just have continuing persistent symptoms. I mean, when they got COVID, um, do they have shortness of breath? Do they have fatigue or headaches or impairments in their mental health? Like they can't remember things. Uh, it's hard to think. Uh, they might have palpitations. And, you know, it. some people get these symptoms after they've had COVID and are having these other issues that start to show up. So, you know, what... How do you know <laughs> that you have long liver syndrome? Well, post-COVID, you had a racing heartbeat or fatigue or brain fog, and you, you're having trouble articulating words, anxiety, depression, and in, in conjunction with um, what's going on there. But most people, you know, have long-term other issues, high temperatures, they have a cough, they have headaches, uh, they still have no sense of smell, they have rashes um, that, that show up. So the, these things just persist and continue and muscle aches and and we can get to other things uh, pins and needles uh can't sleep anymore earaches ringing of the ears diarrhea feeling sick all the time um they can even have a diurnal temperature of what's going on so many many (laughs) things that that are actually out there um so that's where it gets confusing clinically. This gets confusing for doctors to, well, what are we looking at here? We're looking at this or that, and so in our in our office, about six months ago, we just started looking at everybody, just to make sure. I mean, let's say somebody came in with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, um, and, and whether they got the shot or they got um, they got COVID, and how many times they get it, and what's the, kind of the the symptom of what this individual is is occurring with. And going along with, um, we started running blood tests that came along with it. And so there, there are. I mean, there's so right now the um, what's called International Classification of disease or um, you might have heard of ICD nine codes, ICD ten. I'm sure there'll be more as they come along, but now we have vaccinated and unvaccinated, uh, long-hauler syndrome, COVID-related symptoms. So again, our government is saying that people that are not vaccinated, who have become infected, have a higher risk of developing post-COVID conditions versus the previously vaccinated. I'm I'm not seeing that in the literature. Um, I think as we go through this, there's genetic factors that come into it. There's lifestyle factors that come into it there's previous inflammatory situations that come into it there is um, you know uh, the environment that you're in is it highly stressful is it toxic um do you live in mold all, all these things that are going through there so whether you chose to get vaccinated or not um i, I don't care <laughs> that's not that's not what i'm reading that's going in here um, that that was your choice 100 i mean there's a lot of people who are you know, uh, second guessing themselves for doing it. Okay, fine. Um, and if there is a whole lot of information that comes out, you know, and there's some sort of trial situation that comes along that, that we are completely lied to. And, you know, your health was, um, at risk because you, you chose to do that, but you were told to do it and you were encouraged to do it and commended if you did it. Um, that's going to be a a horrible shameful event for the medical world what is you know when when somebody let's say somebody has a real serious condition and you've got a a really good doctor because you know not all not all doctors bought into this and a lot of doctors and nurses got fired for going i don't i don't think that the science is is true here and we were allowed to have those opinions but okay so anyway we have to move forward with what we know now so if people were harmed by this, we have to, to understand that. But like the bigger picture for this is, let's say somebody does need, well, let's say everybody in family has had colon cancer and they really need to have a colonoscopy or a colon guard as a scan it needs to come along, which just gives one thing as a topic. Maybe you have a family member now that's like, I do not trust doctors, medical doctors at all, and, and we're getting that so often as it comes into the office. Uh, you know, These doctors are a sham and it's, B.S. and this and that, and you have a right to be upset with this. I mean, I, there there is some really obtrusive, conflicting uh, information that's out there. It's not like the score of a game, and you know, you could see the referees were maybe not doing a very good job, or one side was getting away with, you know, let's say we'll just say pushing or something like that, where the other one did not. Um, there, there was so much that went on behind the scenes for this that that we have a problem so regardless of where it came from vaccine vaccinated non-vaccinated um i I don't care i don't care so we in our office we just okay and this document tell me what you did tell me what your symptoms are and and what are we going to do to get better so with post-covid or long covid you can have a wide range of symptoms as we kind of talked about it can be returning it could be reoccurring. It could be ongoing um, as, as you've got that. So that's where the just like this no test that says, hey, you've got long COVID. Um, so we have to really, I mean, really dig down and start to go, okay, was this any type of relationship to this? Yes or no. Um, and, and the good thing why I, I do what I do is that everybody that comes into my office for the past 15 years gets a neurological examination. So I got to know if they had brain fog or headaches or sleep problems or dizziness when they stands up or pin, stand up or pins and needle feelings or could they smell this and smell that. That's actually part of an Alzheimer dementia testing, even Parkinson's. You can catch things uh, way before they occur. So if you have or you're under the care of any doctor and you haven't had these drawn and not every doctor does, I mean, does this. Let's say you go to a cardiologist, probably not going to do that. You you go to a rheumatologist, probably not going to do that uh, unless you're going to a neurologist, but you should have a general practitioner, um, a, um, a holistic doctor, somebody that's looking at the whole body to take a look at these things. Because in the long term, if you have a record of, of, What's good and what's bad? Because, you know, let's say somebody just doesn't do well with balance. (laughs) You know, they can't catch a ball to save their life. That's fine. That doesn't mean that they have dementia. But if they could, and now they can't, and there's a relationship to the time that they started being able to not perform that task, there's a record of it. So that's where it comes in. So for the men out there, you don't go see a doctor. But once when, you know, until it's actually broken, shame on you, you got to get caught up. Um, and it, for the women out there I know you do your best to get them in there but there has to be a real come to Jesus moment uh, with everybody getting a good examination that comes along um, if there's not a history of uh, of other things uh, so there needs to be regional uh, evaluations any swelling any rashes uh, for women any changes in menstrual any, for men any changes with erectile um, uh, dysfunction especially if they're under 50 um these are things that go along but the, the common symptoms that you typically as you see there are that people have out there is just difficulty breathing chest pain and palpitations um, of, of what's going on so you can have health conditions that lead to this you could have severe illnesses that lead to this you can have even tr- tr- trauma like post traumatic stress disorders that come along um People who have experienced more severe illnesses tend to have longer COVID illnesses or people who had underlying health conditions they didn't know about, um, such as that. And then there's what's called multi-system inflammatory syndrome during or after COVID-19. And there was cytokine storms and everything that I had, had talked about in a, um, it wasn't a podcast, we call it was called a webinar. Uh, when this first came out but you know those things still exist and there's there's mast cell responses and and other things that i promise you i'll get into so this is the background the history uh, of what's going on um this is less common in children and adolescents uh, than in adults but it does occur so we can't not ignore or we can't just ignore children that are consistently sick um in the group that i see the most that are consistently sick would probably be like the 17 to 25 you're getting into college um, well what happens before they go back to college um, they get a series of boosters immunological challenges there's nothing wrong with that it's common it's common practice but it's an immunological challenge and then we have this thing that you know at one point it was a came from a bat somebody ate a bat and you know is it from a lab has it mutated? Has it done this? Has it done that? Um, you know, I'm just done trying to speculate and try to make sense of it. So we just have to make do with the information they have in front and say, okay, well, I've got this individual that's come in there. So um, the only reason I bring that up in that group, and I, we see it all the way through the population, but that is a another um, population. We can't say that the, obviously they're not children, but they're in that, that group because they're having an immunological challenge. They're getting vaccinated. Just like somebody has an autoimmune condition, they're having an immunological challenge. What if somebody has cancer? They're having an immunological challenge. Uh, What if somebody lives in mold or has parasites or has systemic allergies all the time? They're having immunological challenges. So that's where these things start to stack up to where uh, people have issues and all the other fun symptoms that go along with it. So let me get into a little bit more detail. So the the whole basis to help everybody understand this is not to say I know more than anybody else or um, you know more than anybody else. And that it's, as doctors, this is our reality. And again, like I said, um, because I've been working in some sort of clinical fashion for the better part of 25 years, um, been doing functional medicine for almost 20 years, and then integration of um, how, we, how we do things, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in history. I'm a firm believer in physical exam. I mean, if, if you're going to a doctor, I don't care who it is, and they're not checking to see what your temperature is like, or let's say you have trouble breathing, we're, we're gonna, you're going to use a long hauler as a thing. You're having trouble breathing, and they don't use a spirometer on you. How, how do they know what your volume is? How do they know what your blood supply is? If they're not checking um, temperatures from the top of your head and your hands and your feet? Uh, If they do blood pressure, are you standing, you're sitting, are you doing it on both sides? Um, Are they doing it on your legs to see how the, the vascular system is being compromised? Are you getting a pulse ox that's going in there? These are very important um, avenues. What about a, what's called cranial nerve test? Or we do nerve conduction,s uh, not an EMG, but we go, okay, can you feel this vibration? Is it cold? Is it hot? Can you feel one prick? Did you feel two picks, pricks? Do you feel the same sensation on this side as you do on that side? Uh, hot, you know. These are the neurological backgrounds to to be. Evaluated properly, and so that's what I, I want to get into. Because you could have somebody that really does care and and reads up and says, "Okay, there's this medication, or this nutrition, or this therapy, and you should get an ice bath or whatever you got to do." Okay, but there's no history and there's no exam, a quality exam, because you got to follow up with quality exam. Now you can run blood tests every week. Who's got? Kind of, I mean, maybe you have that kind of money. Then maybe you just have to having your blood drawn. Maybe like going from a, this doctor. Well, this doctor knows mold, and this doctor has PTSD, and this doctor does this. You, you've got a lot of chiefs when you do something like that, and um, um, but that's my background. I, so um, I, I completely identify uh, with that, and and there's just not enough of the tribe to make a decision. So you don't you don't have somebody you know, Ultimately, you're you're the person in charge when it comes to your health, but when you have a lot of doctors. They are going to. You get conflicting information. It's very hard to stick to one plan. I mean, could you imagine? And this is this is the way I try to break it down to my my, my patients as they come in. Could you imagine? And most of them, you know, whether it's grade school, little school, or little school, um, elementary school, high school, even beyond. Most people have been part of a team. Now that team might have been debate. The p- team been that team might have been banned. That team um, might uh, have been football or soccer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But. At, I haven't seen, like, there's two band directors, or six band directors. I haven't seen there's two head football coaches, three head football coaches. Y- you don't see that. Maybe there's a, a co-coach, but one of them takes one side of the other. I mean, there's there's situations that go through there, but so many people see seven, eight, nine, ten doctors, and the doctors don't get together and communicate. So I have to be that doctor that gets together and communicates to the other doctors. And when it becomes medication, I send out to another doctor or a pharmacist that does a medication review that says, hey, these things are interacting and possibly causing this or that because that's outside my scope of practice. But we use doctors who understand uh, and help individuals do that. So um, because I do a functional approach, whether it's functional medicine, functional neurology, nutritional assessment, um, and immune responses, uh, I get a cross-section of, of quite a few people. Um, I, our, our our office is 30% peds, and it's because once we get, a, a, a you know, usually a mom in, they want to make sure the kids aren't going to get the same condition that's going along. Okay, that's great, but we have a pretty large pediatric group that sends us their most difficult cases, and I have a feeling in the next five to six years, we're going to be seeing a lot of pediatric-based cases, because while they didn't harbor anything, while they were a a child or adolescent, as they become teenagers and adults, these things will, um, I feel they're going to catch up to them. So we have to be on top of it. So I don't see a lot of people with long hauler syndrome have success for um, just going out and getting supplements, or they research that something's out there and and, and supplements are are not the same. I mean, it's, it's, it's no different than car or house shopping. If you live in Midwest Kansas and you have a million-dollar home, it's an enormous home. But if you go to Coronado Beach, um, California, and you have a million dollars, you have a two-bedroom, one-bath home, (laughs) and it's like 800 square feet, or let's say you have a million dollars, and you want to live in New York City. Uh, So supplements vary to that degree, where maybe something costs a lot, and it's absolutely worthless. Uh, if it's in a different area or it's, 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 um, you know, a million dollar home in California and a lot of places we, I used to travel out there a lot for, for education and, and seminars. And there'd be a million dollar home and it would not be in a safe area. I mean, in bars. Are you kidding? Versus other places in the United States. So supplements kind of fall into that way. And, and so, um, that's why we started doing so much research and even to our supplement company, where are you getting this from? How do you know? Have you done any research with this? Have you done any research with long haulers? Have you done any research with the the conditions that have come up or the cytokine storm or anything like that that's going on there? And then how does that formulate into this and how do we do this? So this is, I mean, I, I think for the last two to three years, a lot of doctors like myself and just kind of, it's not that we are, are bushwhacking or are coming out. We're, we're watching what's working and then we're applying and practicing in our own practice and going okay i've got this person out here that's really having trouble Uh, i want to do what i can to help them Um, and and i got to see if that this works or that works Um, and then being able to monitor them in real time whether it's monitoring glucose or having to get a glucometer and we use keto mojo uh, because I can get ketones and other things. I want to try to figure out what, what's going to enhance this immune system. What are we going to do with that? How are they sleeping? How are they resting? How are they uh, dealing with any type of stress? Um, these are all extremely important things to look at uh, when it comes to it. So um, for our patients, I, I feel really in the ballpark because what we have is is documented and what the mechanism of what those called SARS-CoV really came about uh, to look at. So medically, you've got this—you know this virus that comes in and it starts to break everything down. But that's not fundamentally really how we we work. Every single disease state has a blood sugar handling problem, an inflammatory response, a blood supply problem. And so, how do we get those to improve? And now we can do fundamental physiology, and that's like a CBC and a CMP. Those are basic tests that come along, and just to see if your thyroid is—is not—not to look at. Oh, you yeah, got this thyroid disorder with COVID. No, you, you have—you should have. You should have had a thyroid response when you get sick. You need to have a fever. You need to amplify your body's ability to make energy to go fight this. The immune system's up, immune system's up, but that's really what causes fatigue in people: is your immune system is being um, upregulated to go do things. So you should go take a nap. That's really good for for a recovery. But a lot of people don't sleep, <laughs> and a lot of people with long hauler syndrome can't sleep. They don't sleep well. Um, because there's other things that are going on that starts to affect the, the immune system and the ner- nervous system. So um, we, can, we can go into the nuances or, or what position that it, it starts to affect. Does it affect your skin? Does it affect your lungs? Does it affect your gut? Does it affect your brain? Does it affect the, uh, different parts of the nervous system that's come along? Um, and the whole goal for anybody and the whole goal for anybody that doesn't have this is to make sure that you have immune resilience, and that's how you can get past this. So we have to start with the little wins as it comes along. And so whether are people who we had people way before this, whether they had uh, MRSA, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, whether they had um, asthma, whether they had persistent yeast infections, and it doesn't matter where, whether they had um, Epstein Barr or cytomegalovirus or parasites or um, Lyme. Each one of these people had a loss of immune resilience and their immune system wasn't able to take care of things. And so now as somebody comes in and they've had these things and now they have Lockhart syndrome uh, and they weren't a patient of ours, uh, we start over. But if they were a patient of ours, we we're doing everything we could to improve their immune resilience to help with the resistance as this thing has come along. I hope that, uh, that, that that makes some sense. Um and that's what we will continue to do is try to help with resilience so anything that comes along uh, i do i do want to put a, a shout out to the people that have come before me um from a nutrient standpoint i think the father of the nutrition startup part of functional medicine dr jeffrey bland has been instrumental in my journey that has come along dr detis karazian with the Karazian institute and how he explains and breaks down um all the processes that it, it, it comes to when we're looking at uh, this, and the, and then the biological testing, the biofeedback testing, uh, when it comes to his, uh, Dr. Milton Dowdy, I and mean, he's um, was on top of the nutrients, um, like in January of 2020, <laughs> he was already going, hey, there's this thing coming, and this and that. Um, and let's test this and let's test that. And we're going to have these patients coming here. We got to be ready for him. And he was uh, very good at doing that. So we're very happy with the the doctors that have um, sticking their necks out, neck out, um, and, and frontline doctors and sticking their neck out, you know, and, and saying, you know what, screw you guys. I'm going to go ahead and get this kid, this like this person who's dying, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. we don't care. Put us in jail. And and some of them did go to jail, and that's that's sad because what they were doing was trying to save a patient, which is to first like the whole thing, do no harm, do what the the best they can. So I'm I'm glad that these people went and stuck their neck out, so that we have more information about about what's come along. A typical long hauler syndrome person is um, that we see in the office is somebody's like okay I know I got sick uh, I know that I'm not and, and they use they, they seem to commonly use a word that makes me giggle all the time because you know uh, Jerry Seinfeld uses this all the time you know I like like you um, I'm not sick sick but I know I'm sick Um, so it's like okay I know that's an, it's an enhanced sickness uh, you're not on um, you're not in bed with a 103 fever but you, you just feel awful okay so you're sick and, and other things such as, you know, my brain fog, um, it's just not getting better. Um, it, or my brain's not working, or we're just not getting past these um, things, or I've used up all my uh, FMLA. Um, I'm supposed to be back at work now, and we got to work from home, and as I go into work, I, I can't, I can't perform anymore. Um, I used to be able to work out, and now I can go for like two or three minutes. We, we're seeing all these these changes, and and yes, we do use supplements in the office, but it's not like this game changer. And the thing is, outside of the office, people that they they reach for supplements, it is not a game changer. Ninety percent of the time, it's not. And so we have to work backwards and see. Well, what can we do to immune resilience? What can we do for oral intolerance and immune intolerance and start to work mitochondrially and at the cellular level to help these people get information and sometimes it's the simple things neurofeedback biofeedback acupuncture relaxation techniques because we know that has an effect and when they can start to get some things you know a lot of people do want to work out we might start with okay i need you to like go up the stairs once okay i know it's going to suck But what we're going to do is we do this and some of these other therapies. Okay, it's going to suck. How long does it suck? A day or two? A couple hours? And then we start documenting and we work our way back into it. So in our office, um, long hauler syndrome, I, I bet in the past two and a half years, um, have to go back and look at the record. We'll we'll get a a real number for you at some point by the end of this group of podcasts. I'm guessing between four and 500 people who have had these things uh, persist and consist and stay there for way too long. And uh, I I feel for a lot of these people because I I know what chronic chronicity is. And I used to do it to myself. I used to just run and everything hurt all the time. But Now it's just uh, a body that got beat up from many other things. And I, I, I do feel for people because they don't have some of the resources I do or the, the giants I can bounce some some information off of. Now, part of the, the other issue is that, you know, let's say something comes out. So when the cytokine storm came out, okay, we knew that like to American resveratrol are one of the two things because they turn off a part of the cytokine storm called NF kappa beta, and there is no medication for it. It's literally supplements when it comes to there, but that would be one or two supplements per condition, and that would be awesome. You know, you've got a bacteria and you have a antibiotic that kills it. One thing does one thing. Uh, that would be awesome. And that's what's called a simplistic medication or a medic mechanistic approach. This is how medicine works. But if you haven't been under a log for the past three years, that conventional approach does not work. It's not working for long hauler syndrome. It's just not. So we have to do so many other things that are going through there. I mean, we're even seeing like people that get like a common, uh, whether it's a common cold, not covid a common bacterial infection, strep that hangs around now for a long time, which is um, you know, can it lead to rheumatic scarlet fever, those kind of things. Yeah. Um and and they they've had multiple rounds of antibiotics or they're they're continuing and going back to it or um, they're getting gastritis that's going in cyclical waves. Oh my gosh. You know, just it's crazy (laughs) that this this thing is, is, is happening and doing this. But but it is it is what it is. That is another um Jerry Seinfeld ism it is what it is what is it um <laughs> anyway um if you ever see him in public or in uh, um as he's uh I don't know if he's going to be doing a farewell tour on tour it um it was awesome I don't think one um curse word was used the entire night and I might have laughed so hard I I puked so it was I guess you could say that was worth it but um Anyway, so as we, as I start this kind of introductory to long hauler syndrome, I want to tell you that there is hope. And when you have hope, you have a chance. When you've given up, it, it's very hard to get forward. That it's, it's hard to get started. It's hard to, to get it in another, another way. So I want you to understand that your body was meant to deal with a new threat, a new virus, a mutation uh, as these things that come along, a new bacteria and the human biome, the human microbiome, the human genome, the human's immune system, the communication, the innate intelligence, the innate response has done it since the beginning of time. And while SARS, COVID has figured out how to get around the system, remember, um, there there are other things that do that too and they get around the system and they do things, it's still open for the immune system to go find it. This is not something that, um, you know, that it was so, what's called virulent, so toxic, so dangerous, so deadly, that 90% of the people that have it died, like some of the forms of Ebola. That's scary as hell. But it leaves a lasting impression and these imprints and the what's called shock proteins that we're going to get into the the physiology so um as i go through these um this is my introduction and then i'm going to get into the why the physiology side of it if you are not inclined or do not give two craps about physiology and biochemistry skip those so i will pre- list them and I will put on the very top biochemistry and physiology 101 and 102 as I go through there. And then as I get to the end, what is the current treatments blah blah blah. And what can you do to prevent further things or further exposure? Because you know what? COVID's not the only vaccine or virus that we're gonna see in the next five years. That's new. It's just not that's but uh, unless you're working in, in virology. My very first virology class was 1995. I love that class. But as a wake-up call it, oh, we got all these things to do. And we use these weird terms like cellular and humoral immunity, which are now Th1 and Th2 pathways with the Th17 and Th3 and Th0. And it's on and on and on and, and so much more that's come, come of it. But that was my very first coursework. Um in a graduate level class in virology and it was um it was fascinating then and then the follow-up to that was how that led to cancer <laughs> so you you look you know at how many years later not not quite 30 years later and here's here's what we know um it's it's fascinating so i i take those small steps those bits and pieces of information We go, okay, what's going on here? There's still inflammation. There's still oxidative stress. There's still immune dysregulation. What can we do to get in front of it? What can we do to downregulate? What can we do to get ahead on that? What can we do to help a person's homeostasis reboot their body and get their immune system back on track? Um, Our patients are improving. And thankfully, there's a lot of information and protocols to do this. But not, what I want you to say is not one protocol works for one person. It's not a um a shotgun effect let's take all this let's do an anti-malarial um, plus an anti-parasite plus an anti-mold plus i want to, immune boosters i want to use uh, NAC, a glutathione and it's it's what works for you and then there's tests that 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 should be run in the office and then well what does what do you really suck at so let's say it's all completely neurological well then the the treatment protocol should be catered to neurological, but making sure that all the other ones are doing fine so that you're not just focusing on one thing and this other thing is, is festering and behind. All right. So that's a good start of what we're going to do. This isn't just about taking like vitamin C or N-acetyl-C-cysteine or succumarin or um, any of the Im- Im- immune modulator nutrients that are out there, but I will go into how those work. Uh, I will go into um, some of the medical treatments. I don't perform that, but, you know, there's times when they're warranted. Uh, I, I do send a lot of people back to a prescribing doctor or a referral to a different doctor for something that, that's come up. Or, um, you know, most of our referrals do happen in the first three months as we're working through a case. We see that, oh, this, uh, this condition... It isn't managed or hasn't been looked at and they've been talking to every doctor about it and nobody's listened and they're in here and that's out of my scope i gotta I got find you the right place to be and then we just kind of prioritize and in, in our office it comes down to priority what's the most important thing to do right now so from an immune standpoint an immune modulation if you can't sleep that's where i start and then I move backwards because the immune system gets its immune boosting qualities while you're sleeping um, and I'm, I'm going to go into great detail, but that's what I have in literally a whole podcast section about sleep um, and how it goes into it. So it was one of the, the biggest things that we, we did <laughs> as we we started with um, not only whether, whether it's, let's say, autoimmunity or uh, somebody has had a history of cancer. We want to keep that at bay. And now we're getting into long hauler syndrome. So sleep is, is a big deal and a lot of long hauler syndrome because so many, it's, it's multifactorial systemic, meaning that it's not just their immune system is off, their vascular system is off, their nervous system is off, their digestive system is off. Uh, so how do we get things to repair? Sleep. Gotta get you to sleep. And then what the people who are just chronically breathing, they sleep all the time. Great. What sucks in them? Why are they not? So, okay, now sleep. And then from them, move backwards. Uh, what's your blood sugar? What's your body's ability to make energy? And this is what, you know, if you ever heard of Cipro, uh, it, it really has a effect on the mitochondrial. It, it literally blocks the mitochondria from making energy, and a lot of these people start to waste away. And So and sometimes in the long hauler syndrome, a very similar phenomenon occurs. And so that, that's the effect um, that we have to do for them is to help them make energy. And, and there are tests, yes, blood tests, and there's physical tests in the office that you can have to see how well they do. And then figure out what do we got to do to help them. I know you have a lot of podcasts you can listen to, and I know that um, you, you, especially when it comes to this topic, everybody seems to be talking about it. You can't even get away from it online. If you'd like to learn more about our office, uh, you can go to newland.com. Um, and, and see if that's it. If, if you're a long hauler syndrome, you know, you're, you're welcome to come to our office or hopefully, as we go along here, uh, something clicks. If you're working with a doctor, something you can bring them up to your doctor and say, hey, is there any chance that we can check this or try this or do this? Uh, I hope that um, I learned early that I can't help everybody, but that those I do have the opportunity to, to help, um, it fulfills my life, and I, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm able to do that, and I'm, I'm very pleased that people do respond to the, the methods that we use. Uh, I wish you all the great health, and we'll move forward with
1: the, this whole podcast of long hauler Syndrome. I'm Dr. Alan Trice. Be well. This podcast, Great Health Does Not Have to Be a Mission Impossible, provides you information about evidence-based strategies for Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, Gut health problems, digestion, autoimmune disease, brain health issues, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode, nutrition, Dr. Trite's blog, and many other topics at choosenewleaf.com. There you'll have all the information. And thank you for listening to this podcast. The best thing to do is sign up for his newsletter where he'll update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. You can find Dr. Trite's social media on Instagram and Facebook with the username New Leaf Health. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. Note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare care professionals for any such conditions.